0: Well, good morning, Grace. I am so glad that you have tuned into our service today to worship the living God because He is worthy of our focus, He is worthy of our time, and He is worthy of our very lives. Let's just open in a quick word of prayer, and then we're gonna dive right into our psalm for this morning. So, Lord, we just bless Your name Father, we just thank you for your unconditional love Jesus, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for salvation, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence, for your comfort, for your guidance, and for your instruction to us this morning. And God, we just invite your presence to be with each one of us wherever we are this morning here listening to your word. Um, We just pray that you would bring this psalm to life and that you would help us to have hearts ready to receive receive what you want to give to us. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have been following along with us this summer, you know that we are in a series in the Psalms. And we've spent our summer studying the Psalms, and it has been a rich time together in the Word of God. And this morning, I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 22. Psalm 22, and I feel as though I am, that I am on holy ground this morning reading this psalm. Charles Spurgeon said, we should read this psalm with reverence, taking the very shoes off of our feet as Moses did at the burning bush. If there is holy ground anywhere in the scripture, it is in this psalm. And this psalm is really prophetic of Jesus' crucifixion. Many things written in this psalm were fulfilled on the cross. And what David described as a poetic expression of his suffering became literally true of Jesus on the cross. And I have to admit, uh, it's time for true confessions, that when Pastor Doug assigned me this text, honestly, I was a little overwhelmed. There is so much in this psalm to cover, and I wasn't really sure which direction to take. So basically, what I did is I just sat in this Psalm for a couple of weeks, and I read the Psalm, and then I would reread it over and over again. I read the Psalm in different translations, and then I began to just take notes, and I began to just try and absorb what God was trying to teach me. God, what are the treasures that you want me to know about this Psalm? And so essentially, this morning, I'm just going to be sharing with you what I believe God taught me through this incredible psalm. And I believe that God has given me uh, six strategies, if you will, uh, to help us learn how to navigate through our times of suffering. Uh, Ways that we can glorify God. Ways that we can remain emotionally steady And ways that we can contend for breakthrough when we suffer. So let's dig in. And we're going to start with verses one and two. Again, I'm reading from verse, uh, excuse me, from Psalm 22, verses one and two. And this is what David said. He wrote, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. And this is what I know to be true after uh, walking with God for almost 30 years now, that if we uh, want to walk with God and have a deeper intimacy with God uh, and come into the fullness of what he has for us, we will experience uh, times that feel overwhelming. And sometimes the pain of these trials can seem unbearable and they can even feel disorienting. And sometimes in the very midst of these challenges, God feels silent. And our perception may even be that we feel abandoned by God. And that may be the worst part. But the psalmist instructs us in our first strategy how to uh, how to navigate through these times. And the first thing that the psalmist teaches us is that we have to be real and honest both with God And with ourselves and this is a recurring theme that we have seen throughout this series it's a repeated theme in the Psalms that God invites us to be honest and transparent when we're hurting especially with him a few years ago I was in a situation where I was feeling very much like David and there were doors that I wanted God to open, but nothing was happening. And at the same time that I wanted God to open this door for me, uh, this God was opening this exact door for someone else. And I tried to just play it off both to myself and to God that it wasn't really bothering me. And I tried to honestly rejoice with the other individual whom God was working in. And I went to bed one night, and uh, God actually woke me up in the middle of the night, and this is what he said to me. He said, Stacy, if you are not honest with yourself and with me about your disappointment, it will become like a festering abscess. And I do believe that God will speak to us in the language that we know. And as a gynecologist, I'm very familiar with an abscess. It's something that I treat on a regular basis. And the interesting thing about an abscess is that it's generally caused by an infection, a foreign invader. And then what happens is the body's natural defense walls it off. But what can happen is, is if it's not treated, uh, it can begin to grow exponentially so, so much so to the point where that germ can begin to uh, spread throughout the entire body. And for me, in my situation, the foreign invader was disappointment with God and envy of what he was doing in someone else's life. And God told me that if I didn't confront this, then areas of my heart would be walled off, and this toxin had the potential to grow and expand in my soul. But if I brought it into the light, then there was potential for healing. Now, I realize that this is somewhat of a graphic example, and it may cause some of you uh, to squirm, but the treatment for an abscess is to open it up so that all that toxic material can drain out. And what God was showing me is that this is a principle that's not only true for the body, it's also true for the soul. And when our soul is hurting, we have to open up to God and be honest, raw, and real with Him so that the sorrow, the disappointment, and the pain can drain out. We need to get it out so that it doesn't stay inside and, to, and develop into something worse like bitterness, resentment, or spiritual apathy. So strategy number one is to be honest with God and ourselves when we're hurting. Be honest with God and ourselves when we're hurting. And I'd like to just Pause for a minute, and I'd like to ask you the question, have you ever felt disappointed or abandoned by God? And if so, how did you respond? So we're going to just take about 30 seconds to contemplate this question, and I want you to just uh, talk to God for uh, a minute if there's any any area of your life where you're feeling disappointed or abandoned by God. Say a 30 seconds. Thirty seconds? Yeah. Okay. I can do okay. great. Just tell me when 30 seconds is up. Or just go. You can just go. You you can 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 just go. Okay. It. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's keep going because God has more truth for us to uncover this morning. So the psalmist is pouring out his heart to God and he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm groaning down here. Where are you? And then he does something very interesting. He turns from pouring out his heart to worship. Let's read verses three through five and see what the psalmist says. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. The psalmist teaches us that in troubling times, we should praise God in spite of our circumstances— See, we praise God because he is worthy, not because we always like everything that happens. We praise God because he is worthy, not because we necessarily like everything that happens. When we praise him in the midst of pain, it's called a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says it like this, Through him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Sometimes praising God is a choice of the will because we have a revelation about who he is and how deserving he is of our worship in spite of whatever hardship we may be facing. And see, I don't know about you, but whenever I am in a trial, whenever I am in a test and I am feeling stretched, worship is just about the last thing that I feel like doing. And sometimes I even get frustrated with God because I think, you're God, you can do anything. You can come and fix this problem that I have right now. But what I have discovered over time and what I believe the psalmist is expressing as well is that God doesn't always just come and say shazam and immediately fix all of our problems. But during these times, if we choose to praise God in the midst of pain, something greater happens— And this verse in another translation says it like this, God inhabits the praises of his people. And I interpret this verse to mean that our praise can actually attract the presence of God into our lives and circumstances. Did you know that your praise can actually attract the presence of God into your life and into your circumstance. Praise also overcomes despair. Isaiah 61 instructs us that we are given a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I believe that a spirit of despair is both an emotion as well as an actual spirit. And when we are in a difficult season, and if we give way to hopelessness and despair, I believe that this can open us up to spiritual attack. See, the enemy does not fight fair, and he likes to attack us when we are down. And this spirit of despair can make our emotional state even worse, and it seeks to keep us stuck in cycles of hopelessness and despair. But when we choose, again, as an act of the will, to praise God, no matter what, we defeat this enemy called hopelessness and despair. So the second strategy is to praise God in spite of our circumstances. To praise God in spite of our circumstances. The next word of instruction that the verse gives us is to remember. God wants us to remember what he has done in the past, and this includes not only what he has done uh, in, in history in the past, but also in our own individual lives, the ways that he has come through for us. In the Old Testament, God's people would set up standing stones as reminders of their encounters with God and ways that he had moved on their behalf. And church, we are forgetful people, and in dark times, we may be tempted to forget the truth and to believe lies instead. Lies like, God isn't good, God doesn't care, and God isn't listening to my prayers. Or maybe the lie that says, I'm not worthy of God's time or blessing. But I want to give you a warning. There are like flashing red lights going off right now. When you are hurting, don't adopt bad theology. Remember and hold fast to what is true. Chris and I were missionaries in Africa for four years. And during those times, we faced so many challenges. I struggled with my physical health and I had malaria more times than I can remember. And we struggled financially, both with our expenses at home, as well as our expenses on the field. And during those four years, uh, there were many times when I began to wonder, God, are you even here? Are you hearing my prayers? You're the ones, you're the one that sent us here. Where are you? But it's during these times that we have to remember that God is still who he says he is, even when it feels like life is falling apart. So strategy number three is to remember what God has done in the past. Remember what God has done in the past. So we're going to move on to verses 6 through 21, and this is a long psalm. I'm not going to read all of these verses. I'm just going to read uh, bits and pieces um, so that you can understand what was happening in David's life and what he was feeling. David said, I am scorned by mankind. I am despised by the people. All who see me mock me. Many bulls Encompass me, they surround me, and open wide their mouth like a roaring lion. My bones are out of joint, and my heart is like wax. Dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them, and my clothing, for my clothing they cast lots. But, O Lord, do not be far off. Deliver my soul from the sword and my precious life from the power of the dog. And as I studied this portion of of the psalm, I thought it was so applicable to the times that we are living in because there is so much hostility right now. People are attacking each other in ways that I am not sure I have ever witnessed in my entire lifetime. And I think what God wants you to know this morning, church, is that when you are attacked by people, we have to remember that our real battle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 says it like this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. In other words, What this passage teaches us is that our battle is ultimately not against human beings, but against the hierarchy of demons in the spiritual realm. See, Satan wants to pit us one against the other. This is a very common tactic and scheme that he uses. And the evil one doesn't care if you're white or black, if you're a Democrat or a Republican. He doesn't care if you think wearing a mask is a great idea or you hate wearing a mask. He just wants you to think that your enemy is the one who doesn't look like you or think like you. But listen, church, it's a lie. It's a lie. And we, as the people of God, we will not be unaware, as the scripture says, we will not be unaware of the enemy's devices. And the truth is, the reality is, church, is that we're not all going to agree. But disagreeing with someone doesn't make them my enemy. We can disagree with someone without attacking them. Church, we are citizens of this world, but our citizenship first and foremost is in heaven. And our heavenly citizenship must take precedence over our earthly one. When we are attacked by people, we have to remind ourselves who the real enemy is. And the invitation from Jesus takes us even a step further, a step higher, and he calls us to bless and pray for those who attack us, those who persecute us. And we have to be careful, as my husband Chris reminded me, that we ourselves do not become a pawn in the hand of the enemy to attack others. As the people of God, we are called to honor one another, even when, and most especially, perhaps, when we disagree. Amen? So strategy number four is to understand that our real battle is against the evil one and not people. To understand that our real battle is against the evil one and not people. Well, we are making our way through this psalm, and I want to move on to verses 27 and 28. And this is what David says. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. I believe that God wants us to remember this morning that he is sovereign over the earth and he rules over everything that happens. He is in charge no matter what CNN or Fox News is broadcasting. And God also wants us to know that when we endure hardship, God is working in our lives and he is making us more like him. And that really is the purpose of life, folks, is to become more like Jesus. Hebrews says it like this. It says that Jesus himself learned obedience through suffering. If Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, how much more must we? And I want to uh, just remind you this morning that it doesn't really matter if our, our trials are caused by our own mistakes or by the mistakes or sin of others or the evil one. God can and he is redeeming our suffering and he's working it all together for our good. And this is an act of faith We have to trust what God says in his word in Romans, which says that God works all things together for good, for those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. See, when we suffer in God, it's always unto something greater. God doesn't allow suffering for nothing. It's not wasted. He's using it if we partner with him, and if we can remember this truth, that there is purpose in our pain, it can help us get through the difficult times. So strategy number five is to rest in the sovereignty of God. Rest in the sovereignty of God. And the final verses in this psalm are verses 30 and 31. And I'd like to read to you these verses uh, from the message because I just love the way the translator uh, translated these verses. And uh, this is what David says in this psalm. Our children and their children will get in on this as the word is passed along from parent to child. Babies not yet conceived will hear the good news that God does what he says. And I don't know about you, but personally, I love these verses. And those of you who know me well know that I consider the training of my children to know and love the Lord as the most important calling on my life. And this passage teaches us that we have a privileged responsibility to teach our children and future generations, how good the Lord is and how he has rescued us out of our dark times. Our life is intended to be one of multiplication, regardless of whether we have biological children or not. God invites us to co-labor with him in the training up of the next generation, and in this way, his glory is revealed throughout all time. So strategy number six and the final strategy is this, to teach our children and the next generation these truths. God wants us to teach our children and the next generation these truths. I am so very grateful for the word that God has given us this morning from Psalm 22. God has taught us how to respond in difficult times. He's taught us that we have to be real and honest with him when we're hurting. God wants us to praise him right in the middle of our storm. And God wants us to remember how he has made a way in the past. God wants us to know that our real battle is ultimately against the evil one and not against people. And he wants us to rest in his sovereignty and trust that he's working it all together for our good. And lastly, God wants us to teach our children and the next generation these truths. God's word and his spirit have provided us with rich truths this morning. But as I stated at the very beginning, this is first and foremost a psalm of the cross. On the cross, Christ suffered greatly, not only physically, that's obvious, but he also carried the weight of humanity's sin on his shoulders And Jesus quoted the very words of David as he hung on that tree. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the scripture says that after Christ humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross, that he was exalted to the highest place. And he was given a name that is above every name. See, death thought that it had swallowed up the hope of mankind, but then God brought about redemption and applied the effects of the cross for the salvation of mankind. And maybe today you're asking the same question. Maybe you're crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you're wondering if God has abandoned you. Let me assure you that he hasn't. If God can take the darkest hour in human history, Jesus' death on the cross, and he can use it to bring about the greatest miracle in human history, which is the opportunity for those who put their trust in him to be reconciled to God through Christ, then God knows how to bring about redemption in our own trials. Just like he did on the cross, God is a master at taking the dark times in our lives and redeeming them into something useful, something beautiful, and something good. Amen and amen. God, we just bless you this morning And we worship you. God, we declare that you are worthy of all of our worship and praise, no matter what, no matter what we may be going through. And God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation that we have through Jesus. We thank you that he is the son of God, that he came to earth and died on a cross as payment for our sin. And three days later, he was raised from the dead, conquering death and disarming our enemy. We thank you for the scripture that says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Thank you for this precious gift that we have in Jesus. Amen. Well, we have an anointed group of prophetic intercessors who prayed for you this week, and this is what they heard. They heard that God desires that we be holy and set apart, and that he is providing a way for us. They heard that God wants us to throw off spiritual apathy because spiritual richness is available. And another person heard the word complete or completion. So if any of these words mean something to you, or if you have a spiritual, emotional, or physical need, then we would invite you to call the number on your screen uh, for prayer because we would love to pray with you this morning. God bless you and have a great day.